You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Honestly, so that's a thing I've seen. Do you ever do like the the jam live cello over like a DJ? I've seen like people try to blend real mm-hmm. live instruments over like it's like the DJ live experience. Uh, it's very rare to see that with cellos, but a lot of violinists are doing it, and I'm sure Dowling did a lot of gigs. Yeah, in, in like Miami, it's a huge thing for sure. I, I've yeah. seen some cellos, but it's definitely yeah, definitely more popular with violin. You are you have more freedom um, when it comes to moving. You know, they they want the violinist to stroll and like, you know, walk around the people and approach the audience. You know, it's it's kind of hard to do it with the cellist. <laughs> it's bumping know? into people. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> no, sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm so excited to tell you from the hills of Slovakia all the way here. We've imported her. She's, in fact, one of the most talented string players on the four-string cello, not to be confused with the viola or the violin. And she plays with the Raiders home band, which is pretty rad. But even more importantly, she's part of Starset. You know, that band, Starset, that's not just a band. They're like a lifestyle and a society, and they have messengers, and they do, like, awakenings and things. Yeah, them. And on top of which, she's a maven. In Las Vegas, where she has her and her other wieldy string players, stringettes, as they might call them, that go and do all these high posh events at in Las Vegas as uh, the greatest planner of all time. That's while she's not being a rock star and an ambassador to the country of Slovakia. And oh. what is her name? Might we share? <laughs> it's not a name. It's just a letter. <laughs> Z. Perfect. <laughs> just Z. It's like share. You just have to be Z. That's like, it. Not Zorro, but... Zuzana. <laughs> There's not many people that can get away with a letter. So that's impressive in my book. I think it's great. <laughs> that is impressive. What number do you use to dial Z? Like if you call 1-800-Z, is, do you use like the zero for that? What? Is there a z- <laughs> well, which, which, which number is Z on the phone? Oh, hold on. Are there buttons on phones anymore? I don't know. Oh, it's not now on nine. nine. Used, on the older phones, it, did, it wasn't on the nine. They only had through X because there was only three, but now it's Z. Oh. What a world we live in. Um, so this is part two with Z. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out part one, make sure you go back and take a look. We also have a couple episodes we did uh, last year. Um, mm-hmm. I think beginning of, so it's been like almost a year, I think, since you've been on. Uh, anniversary. Oh. Yeah, it's our anniversary. So, Thanks for remembering. Yeah, Corey. she might have yes. been one of our first episodes of last year because we did a recap recently of all of our our twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. She was our first episode of last year. Well, That's right. So here that. we go. Cheers to that. So the first episode, <laughs> well, first recorded episode, I suppose, of twenty twenty three. But we're back, and and in the last part, we talked a lot about your business, and you know, go back and listen to the earlier episodes for all the Starset fans that want to hear Z's story about getting back into cello and joining Starset and all of this stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, we got into a lot of great conversation in part one. So let's let's continue on in part two. 
Yeah, we've talked enough about that little band star set. I think more importantly, uh, since we haven't had a chance to speak with you since, we can talk a little bit about the Lost Symphony project mm-hmm. um, that you that you were involved with. And that's uh, the new single that is going to come out at some point in the next decade, I assume. But it, it has been- <laughs> Are we talking about the nine minute song? Nine minutes? Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> Oh, no. Is it longer now? <laughs> 12. Ben, when left to his own devices, will turn anything into a 14-minute song. I don't even know what it's at now. I remember, Benny, I remember last year, sometimes you were texting me or something that you are just recording horns. We did record horns. You did? We put, trom- we put trombone um, on a bunch of, like, live. So, like, if people want to know what the most metal instrument of all time, like, both trombone. literally and figuratively, it's trombone. Like, if you go see The Dark Knight and you hear, like, the that's just making you uncomfortable, like, while the Joker's coming at you, it's a trombone. And that was the instrument that, for me, was the most lacking in Lost Symphony. So we actually met, Corey and I met a badass trombone player. And... He came and played on a bunch of Lost Symphony stuff. Wow. We actually had two, uh, we have sax on it too. We talk about this, darling, if, if you were born again, that you'd want to come back as a, as a horn player. Oh, I just love this horns. Is like, that's her love language. <laughs> when there is a really cool horse sanction and ty- tight, uh, it just gets me going, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're going to love the new Lost Symphony record even more. And, well, we're, and we're, we're, we're talking about doing some other songs that are more straight ahead, kind of like metal tunes. And I wanted to put, not only strings on them, but I want to put, we, we now know uh, Marcus, who's a great trombone player. Um, and, you know, we, we know a great sax player now. So now that we actually know them, they can come down and they were all about Lost Symphony. Had so much fun like, just like jamming with you guys. So like when we were going through it, like Corey and I are just like, should we do like, we're like, yeah. And like, and they were just on site, like just doing this beautiful, making everything sound huge. We'll say one of my favorite things with Lost Symphony is when Siobhan, you joined and we get the chance to go into studio and work with real strings, like, and, and then be able to sit there and, and be like, oh, what if we did this and add, oh my God, that sounds beautiful. Like let's add more layers. And then, you know, we've been doing that for a while and it's like still one of my, my favorite parts about about like working on this stuff, but then to have like horn players come in and start stacking like chords with the horns and just mm-hmm. being like, how low does that go? Like, what's the lowest note you can hit? <laughs> and just like experiment. Cause you know, I grew up, I was a guitar player. I play bass and drums. Like I, I get like the core instruments, but aside from like working with like MIDI and programming, I don't get to experience like the, the, the strings and the, and the horns at a level that someone that grew up doing it. So like, it's really cool to play with someone else's experience. And like what was cool with the horn players too, they were telling us things that we didn't know horns could do. They're like, Oh, I can also do this thing. And then they'd make some sound. Like, what the hell is that? Let's wow. do that a bunch of times, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool. I think that this song, uh, the, the new, the new lost symphony track, which will the be beginning of the end, the beginning of the end, of the beginning of the it's a long song um and then i think when it comes out it's going to be a different uh side of lost symphony uh and, and a very cool it definitely has the lost symphony feel but it's it's a it's a new level i think mm-hmm. It'll be fun I, I wanted to talk to, to z about like that experience because you it would i would say that we can all agree it was a unique recording experience correct <laughs> right <laughs> ben if you want to do your thing but then set up you know the whole process of how we how we made this happen Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we did chapters one, chapters two, and chapter three um, for Lost Symphony, where we we worked with a lot of really great players, everyone from Marty Friedman to Jeff Loomis and Angel Vivaldi, Rusty Cooley. We had all of them on the show, David Abruzzese, 
um, Jason Costa, like like the list, Ollie Herbert, and with this new song, like we we we'd kind of like become like you know really super guitar focused and you know almost writing like crazy music specifically to be like I don't want to say like Olympic level crazy, but like I, I didn't want to keep going that direction. So this time I kind of composed a lot of themes and I wanted to utilize Siobhan's mind. Like Siobhan is not she does not do well when left to her own devices. If you say right apart, she can't do it. She just can't. She's stifled by her talent. I would argue that that, that was the old Siobhan. Maybe. Thank you, Corey. Yes. Okay, I think she's maybe. come quite a long way at this point. She's come a long Thank way. You. But but if you give her the illusion that she's like just filling in the lines, but really she's like, <laughs> she, she wrote so many amazing arrangements. And because this, the song, we deliberately made it long because we wanted to have huge you deliberately made it long well (laughs) i made it long because i really want one thing i like when i okay so when i went and saw siobhan play in miami um with the orchestra you know and they have a hundred instruments playing at once and they're doing 12 minutes um of these songs it's like it goes from whisper quiet to really loud and there are so many different layers and intricacies and you can only really feel how the themes come back in if you've kind of been dragged around for 12 minutes. And originally, we weren't going to do any other songs. So what I wanted this to be was like an overture. So if like, you listen to like a Broadway play, instead of hearing all the songs from the play, you heard the overture that had all those different themes. That's kind of how I approached it. And I wanted to make it grandiose. And it turned into almost like Broadway Lost Symphony. But because of that, and because of how long it's taken us to put together this monumental song, I wrote a bunch of straightforward heavy metal songs for all the people that'd be like, this sounds too Billy Joel to me, and um, we're going to do that too. So we're going to have like our thrash metal stuff, and then what we're talking about right now is like our Genesis Dream Theater Queen Broadway Lost Symphony. And the whole point of that was to set up how Susanna was involved. Uh, yeah, so- and then Susanna, I begged her. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit high. Okay, I apologize. So we decided that we didn't need any more guests for Lost Symphony. We played with all these people. So what's the first thing we could do? Get more string players because Siobhan's clearly the greatest of all. She's the MVP of our band by far. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like, Siobhan blows us all away. So we're like, well, is that replicable? Well, all right. Is there another Siobhan out there, but maybe with a different color hair? They're like, well, this one plays a cello. She's amazing. And then I realized that all the people that have been playing with, with Dustin, that Dustin is, is like the Kevin Bacon of all this because he surrounds himself with the greatest players and people that are the most multifaceted and talented people. So I said, you and Dustin are like kindred spirits. That's your, your, your collectors of talent. Z is amazingly talented. She's puts up with this craziness in this whole universe and does it in place. It sounds perfect live. And then Mariko, she like won the Olympics of cello. And I saw you guys <laughs> both and I'm like, you want to know what will make us better than having to have Marty Friedman in our band? Just get Z, get Mariko. And then we imported Hector Hellion from Mexico, <laughs> from Mexico, because this guy, like oh, that's we right. sat around and we we basically were Googling who's like the best because, again, I'm a nerd. That's how I found Kelly. And then I found this Hector Hellion guy and I went down the bunny hole and I realized that this dude, like I called Corey one day and said, you've been promoted and demoted simultaneously. Like you're not playing bass anymore, but congratulations. You're the seventh guitar player for Lost Symphony. <laughs> Because we got Seven. Hector Hellion. I'm deeply honored. Uh, anyways, so coming back to our guest. 
Can, so can, any, can anyone remember the the initial um, talk about how, when we decided that we were actually going to record all this yes. together? So we were, just, I, just to set it up real quick before you get into there. Previously on most Lost Symphony recordings, um, you know, if, if Siobhan came into town, we would work together and get the layers done. But often she would still be sending stuff from her home studio. And we got cello tracks that were sent in from everyone's like own area and studio and then compiled into the session together. But we really wanted to get like a, more of a feeling of a string section on this. So we were talking about actually getting everyone together in a room, uh, which led us down a path that brought us into a giant, you know, uh, emporium of vehicles that were worth <laughs> each one worth more more than my house and uh you can take it from here ben all right i'm going to calm down because i i realize i've been talking over everybody because it's really important how this happened so i remember coming from a wedding gig djing in boston and you guys were playing the paradise theater and siobhan and brock had just got engaged to make a long story wicked fucking yeah. long <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and I remember okay, going backstage and telling Susanna, hey, what do you think about the idea after seeing her murder it playing live? I said, what do you think about the idea of being Lost Symphony? She's like, sure. And then I held her to it. And then we convinced Ernie Bach, one of the greatest guys on the planet who's been on the show. He's a billionaire. He's a car mogul. Hey, man, because he loves, loves hosting talented people he loves hosting musicians and comedians and dignitaries he's been on the like podcast Fer so go check out his episode on, yeah like he has fergie like you know not not the one from uh, the black eyed peas but the one that's like you know related to like the princess or whatever um he's like he just has people at his house so i'm like you know what i guarantee you ernie would want to meet Susanna. he'll want to meet hector he'll want to meet siobhan like he loves siobhan he's met siobhan so i called him and said hey listen can we do a recording at your house like and can i can I have Siobhan and her friends, Susanna and Hector and Marco come stay at your house? He's like, sure, sure. Yeah, I'll put them up. That's fine. We come on down and we're about to record in my studio. And then Corey came up with the great idea of like, why would we record in the studio when Ernie has this huge, giant, ultra mega pad? Maybe we should walk around and try to find the greatest acoustic area. And when we went into this giant car emporium filled with like maybe a hundred Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Bentleys and cars you can't pronounce, uh, we realized that the best acoustics were under this vaulted ceiling made of fucking stone in the middle of this giant tiled room with 40 feet above us and nothing but cars way the fuck spread apart. And we convinced Siobhan to convince Ernie to let us record in there. <laughs> Enter Z. He that was so kind and sweet of him to let us do that, and that was, I think. Okay, let me just start from the beginning. When I got this track, the very first track, what is it now? It's completely something different. Okay, so the very first track, I tried to record something to it, and then Darling, I think it was like a week later, she was like, "Oh, I'm almost finished." Uh, with my stuff, I'm gonna send it to you, and then she sent it to me, and I, I was, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, you can write all this. It was like it was like a movie soundtrack. Like it was it was just I was blowing away. I was like, well, I'm definitely hiring this girl in future for my company. Darling. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. And Aww, so um so yeah, I think like a week later we went to Boston and uh I know that we went to your studio first the first day, and we were I think you were trying to like fitted all the charts and print them out because there's so many parts, so many different layers that we wanted to record. And we were, are we, we were, were we doubling, tripling the stuff? 
I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, multiple. It was, well, like, it, was, it was really trial by fire because this was like a new way of doing this because it was it, it was always just me just kind of like, all right, let's go, you know? Right. So this was figuring out how to do it with like three, but to somehow emulate an yeah. orchestra. Yeah, you and I, Siobhan, had to go through and like break down each section. I had like, I had my own like mm-hmm. notes going up because I, yeah. I had to figure out how to track it, actually record it yeah. and in a in somewhat organized way because we've got, you know, Maybe so a long much. ass song in all these different sections. I'm like, so how do we make sure we don't forget anything? How do we make sure we have all like the the you know all every take captured? So it, not only musically is it a challenge, but also from like an engineering side, we had to deal with all that. Well, let's give credit where credit's due. So we basically, so I basically love to write songs to fuck with people. Like, hey, how long can I make it? How complicated can I make it? How many parts? And then I send it to Siobhan, and Siobhan sends me back in the words of uh, of Z over here a, a movie soundtrack, and I'm like, this is unrecognizable as me but i'll totally take writing credit for it and we basically like just so you understand like so anyone listening and watching understands ernie has the coolest car salon that if you go in it's literally just rows and rows of hundred thousand to million dollar cars and if you're like me and you don't know what car salon means it's a giant garage that's fancier than any building you've ever been in that has lots of cars we, we need to get some but, footage like video yeah, or but we, well, we have, so yeah, we have footage Corey can pull we'll some put, footage so we'll actually, drop some footage in right now First off, here's here's the whole caper we put on. So like, Z says that she's not on a caper in Las Vegas with her girls with the strings, but she came to Boston to do a caper with us because here was the trick. We told Ernie, hey, man, can we just stay there? And then we're like, can we record here? He's like, yeah, no problem. But the thing is, is Ernie has people working on his house at all times because he's constantly just building and expanding and making like every time I go there, there's a new house or dwelling or garage like he's literally Siobhan literally stayed in a mini house that he just built like a mini house. So we get there and there are people working in this salon. Now, meanwhile, Corey with his buddy, Eric, who plays drums in the, the wedding band he's talking about, assembles a whole studio, a whole full blown recording studio, brings it all in crazy microphone set up the whole nine. Eric is like literally a Jedi works for Snoop Dogg level to shows up. We have the Lamborghinis around his office. Meanwhile, they're like using a jackhammer to like create another room to put the Ferrari, the more Ferraris in there. And we have to <laughs> kindly tell them before the girls are up. Like we're about to record. And now all these dudes are looking at us like, really? The discussion was hilarious. Cause it was, it was, um, you know, Eric and I arrived and you know, there's a it's a whole compound so you go through the gate and they pull in we park and then uh the guy the that's the work in there he's like uh hey uh, you guys are using the the car salon I'm like yeah he's like uh i got some guys doing some work in there like, that can be a problem I'm like oh my god what are they doing uh they're you, you, jackhammering uh you know putting i'm like i'm like we're recording like strings like songs <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm like with super sensitive microphones i'm like yeah that's gonna be a that's gonna be a problem he's like oh well, 
you guys should talk to Ernie. And then he just walked away. And like, I'm like, what uh-huh. the hell? <laughs> See, I didn't even, I didn't even know this was happening. Well, here's, You don't know because here's what happened. So Ernie comes in. And he's like, really guys? Kind of like, and then Siobhan, Z and Marco come in looking radiant with their, with their cases, just like waltzing in smelling of beautiful potpourri and of the, <laughs> of like France and just like wonderful. Like they're, just great and then and like marco has so much confidence she's like opening her cello case and then and you know you haven't had your coffee yet you had your coffee in your hand you got your violin but you look like you're down to business you got your glasses on your notes ready and ernie's like oh can i take some pictures with you holy this is wow and then you guys like literally just started tuning. He's like, oh no, stop everything, guys. Let them do whatever they want. They can do anything they want. Because he saw us setting up a whole studio. He knows. Ernie understands. He knew exactly what we we're doing. He's like, I don't understand why they're stopping my whole setup. But once Siobhan, Mariko, and Z walked in, he was like, can I take pictures? Because you guys are amazing. He saw, he's like, oh, that's why they're totally taking yeah. over everything in the lawsuit. Point being, if it was just me and Ben recording there, there would have been a lot of jackhammers in the background. Ow! Ow! <laughs> he's like, you guys can record in the bathroom. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. Technically, we could have gone to the mausoleum and had a lot of natural reverb. That's the irony. It's the, the plan B was to go to the mausoleum with the 25-foot dome of the rock Well, that ceiling. was plan A. That was the original idea. And then when we were we were sitting there and, and Siobhan was getting settled in, we just kind of, hey, grab your violin. And we just kind of walked around and, and, oh, and yeah. tested out a few I places. Remember. And we were like, you mm-hmm. could tell as soon as you started playing there, this, yeah. the acoustics of that room, like, we have to do it here. This is perfect. Uh, it was The acoustic was amazing in that room. Yeah. Like, the natural reverb. I mean, did you... did. I mean, I don't know how the post, you know, production and all that went, but did I you deleted have- it and put MIDI in everywhere. That's what. <laughs> no, it sounded incredible. No, it like sounded- the reverb and all the like the EQ and and effects. Mm-hmm. Like, did you have to like add a lot, or did did you get most of it like naturally? I I used a lot of of the the, the natural in there. Um, but obviously, I mean, you know, for, to make it sound like a movie soundtrack, then you got to layer of course. in more and more and I understand. More stacking on there. But, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it sounds beautiful. I think, I think it came out really, really good. I can't good. wait to hear it. I heard like yeah. the beginning of the stages of you like mixing it and all that, but we were on a tour. We'll get you, we'll get you a, uh, an updated uh, rough mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I, I kind of wanted to be a surprise because I'm so happy that like it's come together like it has. But we also, Siobhan, don't forget, what I, so this is what I want to do for the ending, because I don't think anyone's ever done this. So again, this is why I'm also writing super easy metal songs, because I realize that I, what I put my bandmates through with this song is enough for them to quit me. But this is what I want to do at the end. So we decided... <laughs> Just now it's been enough for them to quit. We, we decided to put thir- 30 layers of acoustic guitar. It's me and Corey just playing the same thing over, and we come in with all these counterparts, and it's really pretty. And... What I want it to do is I want the strings to play the identical parts as the acoustic guitars and slowly fade into each other. So each acoustic guitar fades into a cello or into a violin, but at different times. So what we're playing over for three minutes straight, these repetitious parts slowly fade into an orchestra. So instead of a long fade of acoustic guitars, it fades from acoustics into a full orchestra playing the same thing. It's now a 17-minute long song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one's done it. 
but when you guys were there, I mean, it, it was it was incredible to see and it, and it was incredible to hear because we don't often get the, you know, the vibe of of three string players together. It's all, you know, when you're layering mm-hmm. in people that are, if everyone's doing their stuff on their own, it's never quite the same in terms of like that, that sonic, like the richness that you get from having you guys do that. And then of course we had you layer it, you know, three or four takes per part. So then you stack those and then, and then mm-hmm. hopefully it comes across as this big, uh, you know, full orchestra, uh, you know, in the final recording. Uh, and I, I just think it was a really unique way of approaching the song. And obviously we were very fortunate to have um, access to, you know, a beautiful venue and and then having the resources to bring you guys in to do it. Uh, and I think that people are going to like really enjoy the song when they listen to it once and then they're going to have to take a break and recover. And then hopefully they listen to it again, but they might need a nap in between. So <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be an experience. Yeah, it's definitely a long song, but um, I, I think it's it's worth it. Mm. You know, um, it's not it's, any longer than long. the eighteen twelve overture. Like, what the fuck, guys? You guys are classic. I, I listen to that to cl- every day, right. so it's that makes sense. <laughs> no, but listen, I mean, it's it's. I think it's like in, a lot of people don't understand how difficult it is to get that orchestral aesthetic with limited players, right? There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of ease when you're able to get sixty players in a room, put up a few room mics mic some sections and then you just do a straight through take you know Mm -hmm. and there's i mean there's so much more that you have to do to sort of emulate that that sound when you're dealing with just a couple of people and i think that's one of the challenges that we faced even for me and on the arranging side is like how do we divide this up in a way that we're not you know doubling parts too much or covering right. things too much or, or covering like the like the like the upright bass parts how do right. we make you know make that feel or um the flute parts or you like really like really oh we really added flute parts. too we have live flute <laughs> we have live flute craig played flute on this yeah we yeah. Have. and i think it was a really really smart idea uh, and good call to record is record the strings live meaning like all of us together at the same mm-hmm. time because there's something magical about recording it that way it's it sounds more natural and like more organic although you know yeah. when when you when you record stuff on your own just like let's say i will record my parts at home and then send it to you it's like it it's not as organic when you put you know what i mean when you try to like mix everything together We've had, we've really been very fortunate in that Corey and I have had multiple projects lately where we've been able to do like sound demo level recordings. So first off, setting up at at Ernie's place, like if you go into his place, it's built like a church. It's like insane, like all, again, vaulted ceilings with real stone, like real masonry, like all beautiful tile. And again, like very, very open. So acoustically, it's wild. And then Eric really is one of the the best recording engineers on the planet. He really is. So having the natural reverb of the room, being able to have match pair of microphones, a crazy person like Eric running around with Corey, like with their protractors, figuring out if everything's like equidistant. And, you know, also having you and Mariko and Siobhan, who all have your own distinct sounds, like you can hear which one of you is playing what part. And it's phenomenal. And like, it sounded so good that it was one of those things where I'm just sitting there with my arms crossed. Like, how does this not sound good? We had microphones in front of each one of you in front of the room. Like, it sounded like a sound demo. So it it was one of the most rewarding recordings of my life because to think that some of these lines came from my mind and then I'm seeing three virtuosos playing in front of Ferraris. And then we had a whole camera crew with like the jibs and the whole not like, 
I felt like I was P. Diddy in the 90s. <laughs> it was definitely a great experience for me. And, you know, playing, of course, playing with, with friends, you know, that that definitely helps, <laughs> you know. And um, I was going to say something and now I forget. Um, yeah, that's what happens when Ben talks for a while. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm getting old. I forget things. <laughs> We all are. I should it's start okay. writing it down while Ben is talking. Just writing down, yeah, keeping notes. That's very okay, helpful. But anyways, we can uh, we can you know obviously if you have anything else that you know if they remember from the the session, that's great. But we could, we've talked about Lost Symphony now for a half hour, which. Anyone listening, go to lostsymphony.com. This episode brought to you by Lost Symphony and, you know, buy our old records and and, uh, and wait for our new one too. Hopefully you enjoy it. Um, But so uh, what else is going on with you, Huzzy? So we are going for this tour uh, in February. It's a short one. Usually the tour is two months. You know, the first month we stay in Europe and then the second month we go to to Russia. Obviously that's not happening now um, anytime soon. Um, so it's a short one. And uh, when we get back, I'm definitely going to focus even more on my business, uh, do a little bit more marketing, you know, um, do a little marketing videos and lots of advertising and just get this thing going even more. You're going to build an empire? Is that your goal? I'll, that's, I would love that. <laughs> I'll um, take the uh, advantage of the opportunity being home for a while what you need to do is you need to find a client that's willing to fly my band from boston there tell them that we're exceptional like well this band comes from out of state don't tell them that don't tell them who we actually are and then uh put us up in a nice hotel tell them it's like really like very rare to get a band to actually to travel there and everything and then and just just hook us up okay okay tell them for a hundred dollars less that you can hire a DJ, just one person, <laughs> fly me out to Vegas. I'll play every single song. I, I I don't even have to listen to them. I could just download it on the way on the airplane. And uh, if you get, if you put me on JetBlue at least, and I'll add an <laughs> exceptional violinist as well. Yeah. My darling. <laughs> Honestly, so that's a thing I've seen. Do you ever do like the the jam live cello over like a DJ? I've seen like people try to blend real mm-hmm. live instruments over like it's like the dj live experience uh it's very rare to see that with cellos but a lot of violinists are doing it and i'm sure darling did a lot of gigs yeah in, in like miami it's a huge thing for sure I, i've yeah. seen some cellos but it's definitely yeah definitely more popular with violin yeah DJ, it's just but more um it makes more sense with the violinist i mean it has nothing to do with the ability of playing it's just more um, the register probably the register and also like you are you have more freedom um when it comes to moving you know Mm -hmm. and the stage and a lot of people require strolling you know they they want the violinist to stroll and like you know walk around the people and approach the audience you know it's it's kind (laughs) of hard to do it with the cellist (laughs) just bumping into people sorry excuse me (laughs) sorry sorry. (laughs) (laughs) can you just put like one roller skate on it just <laughs> like move around. Like I mean, there is a, I'm a always cello, looking though. for uh, for solutions how to be even more mobile. You know, there, but there is a cello strap, right? So there is this cello strap. Um, I used to, I I tried this years ago with like a guitar strap on my electric cello, and it was a disaster. It did not it did not work because I don't know if if you guys ever saw how uh, the electric on electric cello you have like this little 
how do I explain this? It's very, it doesn't have a full body, right? Like mm-hmm. a regular, uh, like an acoustic cello. And so it's very thin. And there is this piece that you put on the back of the cello to kind of mimic that, that body distance, right? So when, the, when I used the guitar strap, I couldn't really play with that because it was like up there. It was just like so awkward and it, it was literally impossible to play. But there is this other strap that my friend is using on the acoustic cello. I forget. I forget the name of it. Uh, it looks ridiculous on the acoustic cello. Like is the, it the block strap? The, yes. The, yeah. Yes. But she's actually, she started to using it on electric cello and she like showed me how to do it. And I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do that, especially for like the femme shows that we have. Cause you want to like rock around the stage a little bit more, you know? And, um, um, so see how it works. It just sometimes with these straps, like it looks a little awkward the way how you move on the cello. Mm. So, you know. Can't you take off that distancing piece and just take that off and like, have it closer that's to what your I, body? That's what I used to do. That's what I used to do. But it's just, it's, it's, you're shifting. It's, it's so wrong. It's just so wrong. <laughs> the whole <laughs> thing is just wrong. And you can't really, um, it's really hard to play that way. And like, I feel like I don't sound as good as when it's like how it's supposed to be, you know? But when do we really play how it's supposed to be these days? I mean, yeah, like it, just just to play cello standing up, it's 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 a skill on its own. Like I never thought that I would be able to do it. I thought it's impossible. Like I moved to Vegas and, you know, it was kind of like a requirement on a lot of gigs. And I would be like, you're out of your mind. That's like impossible. <laughs> and so wrong <laughs> and and here we are like with star set that's like a thing like nobody ever sits on the chair like no cellist sits on the chair yeah that I, I think i saw the first time i saw you guys you had uh was it jonathan yeah john i think jonathan I, I, he was might have super sat. tall he, was, he sat he sat the first time i saw you guys yeah yes he was super super tall i think i think it was kind of awkward for him to stand like I, f- I think that was the reason but it just looks cool you know when you stand but a lot of people like people don't get that to consideration that that is actually the wrong way to play cello and if you're not do you think anyone even knows how people even play cello i've met people who are like oh i thought it i thought it, this is how you play cello and that's not how you how you learn how well, to play cello. Well, the sad thing is, in this country, uh, that music in schools is so underappreciated that most people just think yo yo is a thing they go with. Well, Shavon, <laughs> that's the greatest eye roll in history. <laughs> Come on, yo yo ma. What? I got that's, the joke. Yeah, we all got the joke. <laughs> and then he leaves. Where did he go? Yeah. That was his mic. That was his mic drop. Oh, mic drop! <laughs> <laughs> can't go. Can't do any better than that. So we're out. Like you said, when do we really play how we want it? When do we really sound how we want? How we want to? Yeah, that's why I never leave my recording studio. I've learned how to make my sound myself sound exactly how I want it. The second I get it to sound how I want it, I forget everything, and I just move on because it's already recorded, and who cares? <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me play. No, but this is a good topic because it's, I mean, going back to a lot of what we talked about in part one, it's a slippery slope of like, 
you know, making lots of little compromises and what you're going to do, you know, I mean, outside of Starset, of course, the, our, our lives as freelancers, you know, and the things that we do, I mean, you know, it's, you're, you're kind of molded by what people are expecting from you, you know, and it's really hard to build a career and a life outside of that. That's exactly what you want because you're, you're constantly influenced by what people think or what they expect or what they want from you, you know, as a performer. Right. Yeah. You kind of have to be adaptable. Uh, you know, it's funny that probably the longer you do it, the, the more obvious it gets, but you know, kind of everyone has an idea of what they want to do when, especially when they start out in a creative industry, like being a musician or something like that. Sure. When it, when we all like first like got paid to do what we were doing, we had an idea of where that trajectory was going. And I'm guessing at this point, none of us are (laughs) doing exactly what that, that (laughs) thought was, but you kind of learn, like you'd never thought you would stand up to play cello. And like, now that's like 90% of what you do. You're now you're think you're not thinking like a complete classical player anymore. You have to you have to shake that off and be like, oh, this is this is the direction I want to go. And I think finding the line of how far you're willing to push it, whether it's the way you play or the, all the extracurricular things you have to do to continue doing what you do. Like like you know we talked about in the first episode. You know you, you got to be a content creator to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Well, for me. I hate that shit. So like, to I want to be a musician. So like, you know, it's like taking your medicine. Like I got to like, you know, do that right. if I want to like do stuff to promote myself in that direction. But it's a, nece- it's a necessary evil, you know, for, for the stuff that I'm trying to do. I think we all have to find that line of like, at which point do you say, all right, well, now I got to bounce back in another direction to continue doing what I want to do. In your professional career, have either of you hit like a, a limit of like, uh, this isn't the kind of gig I want to take anymore. Um, that just brings me back to why I wanted to start my own wedding business, you know, to do things my way, um, how I believe that they should be done. There was a, a box of a way things were being done in certain places that you saw a better way of doing. And it's like, you know, you could take the easy way and go, I guess I'm going to suck it up and deal with this thing. Or you can kind of make your own way back right. in the direction, which you did. Yeah, then yes, yeah. This is yeah, why I started my own business. And hopefully yeah. it's going to be a big empire one day. <laughs> Darling, it will. <laughs> well, first off, I fullheartedly believe that there's always going to be a market for beautiful virtuoso women in Las Vegas doing anything. Uh especially when you dress all in black and go together at, like to Caesar's Palace like you're going to wham bam bamboozle them because like I mean, you're so talented. And I think that if you can automate that, my question becomes, so what happens when you find 10, 12 unbelievable players and that you could just sit at home and talk to people on the phone and have them going to Caesars over here and to uh, the win over here and that you could just collect your VIG? What would you be doing? Will you be playing a cello? Well, I, I hope I can play cello until I die. You know, that is something that I will, I'm never willing to give up, you know, to play cello. But the question is, like, if I'm comfortable with my lifestyle and everything, I don't have to worry about, oh, I have to take all these gigs. I have to take all the work. I can literally just do what I want. You know, I can play for my own enjoyment. I can record stuff on my own enjoyment and not for the sake of making a living. So is that the goal? That's I mean, that's what I'm asking. Is that the goal? Is that one day that you don't have to like change the key immediately because <laughs> Dustin changes his mind or that you have you know, to learn Bollywood music at the last minute and just people assume that just one day you'll wake up and be like, ah, 
I could run to the store, get myself a smoothie, and then I'm going to go home and play some Brahms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, but, you know, in a sense of like when it comes to playing cello, you know, I never want to like I I want to play cello because when I play cello, you know, not I mean, not that I don't do that now, but right now I always have to think about like surviving, you know, so I have to, you know. I have to keep working and I have to do things that um, maybe one day I don't have to, to play cello. You know what I mean? Uh, one day I can focus on a project that I want to focus and I don't have to think about like how long it's going to take me. I have a deadline or, you know what I mean? Just enjoy. Yeah. That's the dream. Siobhan. Have you enjoyed one moment of playing anything for the last 10 years of your life? <laughs> I've enjoyed plenty of moments, but but no, but it's it's I think it's super important no matter what you do to be super in touch with what is making you happy because it's very easy to be pushed in a certain direction based on like let's say where you live. Like for example, Miami is a very like sort of flashy entertainment center and Vegas is probably similar, right? So as a violinist, there's a lot of demand for, you know, electric violinists that play with DJ or you wear some sort of crazy costume and you're playing a bunch of pop music. And yeah, you're going to make like good money doing that. But if you're doing that all the time and that's not what you want to do and that's not what's building your artistry and that's not what's making you happy. I mean, that can become a really difficult lifestyle to maintain, you know, as your freelance life, because over the course of time, you're like, OK, well, uh, what am I doing? <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So there are certain things that you end up choosing to do because it seems like it's the right thing for the right pay for the right, you know, it, it's a well, it's an existential career, crisis. But, it's like right. you're sitting that you're sitting, you're sitting there in the, at the Mondrian. You're like, Oh man, I'm making $1,000 an hour right now. I just had a, uh, a scallop wrap and bacon, but I'm not doing what I want to do. Yeah. Right. Like for, I mean, for example, and I mean, it's it's funny because I did a Facebook rant about this the other day, but you know, I, I was had waiting. Oh, uh, you finally did it. I baited you this, for two episodes. I baited you to talk about it. You should have been more direct with this. Okay. I would have totally talked about it. So, okay. So, I mean, everyone knows string players. Okay. Christmas time, New Year's time is super busy, right? This is when we get all of our gigs. Like it's, you, you get asked to do a million things. Like you've got to figure out how many New Year's gigs you can fit in one day. So, I mean, I, I ended up having to play a New Year's gig the other day. And, you know, basically what it was, I was playing at a restaurant and, you know, it started as like, OK, well, can you just play along with a DJ? And then it's like, oh, well, can you throw in some sound equipment for free? Oh, can you play for an extra hour for free? And basically what I ended up doing was I, I was playing electric violin. I ended up having to provide my own playlist, not even playing with a DJ. And I stood in basically a corridor in some elaborate outfit where almost nobody paid attention. Right. Mm. So I'm here. I am a violinist and I love to perform and I love to play music that I enjoy and I want to be inspired. I want to, you know, like I, the point of playing is to have fun, right. To enjoy right. it, to be, to right. be elevated by whatever you're doing. And here I am sitting on new year's and I'm thinking, all right, I'm playing here in like a big crazy costume for nobody doing a gig that I didn't even sign up for here. So at the end of the night, it's like, what, what was the point of that? It doesn't even matter what it paid. I didn't enjoy it. I, right. I didn't enjoy any minute of it, <laughs> you know? Right. So it's like, it, it becomes very easy to like fall into a lot of those situations. And 
you know, have that become your career unless you really, really avoid things like that. So and that kind of harkens back to what I was trying to say a little bit earlier, but like, you know, sometimes that, especially when you're, you're kind of getting into uh, a field like this, where that's not a gig on new year's. Oh, it pays a bunch of money. Great. I'm going to you say yes. And then you show up and you're like, the hell am I doing here? <laughs> and, you, and you kind of have to look at yourself and say like, is this, is this what I want to continue to do? Co- and Corey, then, weren't you with me on new year's one year? And too many Sharon, times. We had. <laughs> yeah, so we 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 DJ some New Year's parties, and there's nothing worse than when you're going. So first off, if you get married on New Year's, it's either a good idea or super selfish. Like if you're fun <laughs> and you're going to throw a fun party that's like worth it, and like it's a good destination for anybody to go on New Year's, cool. But like we went, and it was a bunch of boring people. They're like, oh yeah, we like to dance all night, and like you put on Donza Kaduro, and everyone's sitting there like, it's just in English. And you're like, oh my god, like I can't. I can't handle it. But, so this is terrible. what you have to do, though. So this is what I do. So first off, I always would, I, I envisioned what guitars I could buy with the money <laughs> that I was getting from that time. And then I went to that happy space and then I would just play it for me. So like, that's the thing is like, if I was in the corridor, so like, this is what I would do differently, Siobhan. And this is just friendly, constructive criticism. Remember, you're making enough to put on the stupid costume. And come play for a bunch of vapid assholes in the middle of a quarter. Mm, questionable. That don't give a shit, okay? But hear me out. You should be happy knowing that you can do whatever and no one gives a flying fuck. And that's worth something because otherwise you could be getting up at, I don't know, on New Year's Day to go pump gas for assholes for maybe a millionth of what you just got paid. That's so true. You find, but happiness, I mean, you find happiness knowing that you could buy a new bow. Like the ones on Z's wall over there, knowing that even though New Year sucked, you're like, 1873 <laughs> right here, beautiful you. horse. Oh, perhaps, but I think it's the no. Anyway, but I think those are four of them are like really shitty ones. Only one is good. <laughs> so, <laughs> is this the Antiques Roadshow where I'm supposed to sniff out which one? I'm like, oh, well, this is the one without That's the horse. That's honestly hair. the first time that I noticed that you had bows on your wall because it was a little hard to see. So good for Ben for pointing that out. Everyone I know. listening, watch, I watch even the video. I'm like, oh, shit. That's right. No, there but coming back to the point, though, I mean, there. I think I think a lot of, I mean, all of us here, I think, chose music because we wanted to choose freedom, right? And we wanted to choose enjoyment and doing something that we're passionate about. So, if you're if you're wanting to go home with a paycheck because you can afford something, you can get a corporate job, you know, and that's fine. And if you want to accept like, all right, I'm going to be relatively unhappy going into this office for the day, but I can still buy something at the end of the day. All right. But that's not why I signed up to do music, you know, so it's that, that's my take on it is you mm-hmm. still have to actively choose, you know, fulfillment and joy regardless of the money. Okay, Socrates over here. So then why did you sign up for music? If it wasn't for the money, what is the actual reason? I think she just said. Free. She just said it. Yeah. yeah. Free. Like freedom? Like- is it really freedom? I think it I is feel freedom. Like whole, I think it's freedom, I, but I think you can get caught into in, into not being free. You, you have to choose it. It can, it can be very easy to get caught into a sort of corporate type life as a musician oh, yeah there's like mm-hmm. the, the thing you see, you see a lot like you know i left my nine to five job after 10 years to 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 have my own business work for myself and now i work fucking you know 16 hours a day like it's <laughs> i would not say that like i have freedom in terms of like time uh it, but 
you know, I can, I can work around that. I have, I have a more, I guess, flexible and fluid type of freedom. Well, it's not freedom of schedule. It's, it's, it's freedom of mind. It's freedom right. of like, right. it, it's a different. And that's what I was trying freedom. to get at in terms yeah. of like, I can, I can say, you know what, in, in three weeks, I'm not going to book any clients and I'm going to have a week to focus on what I want to focus on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely, there's, you know, there's pros and cons to, to this kind of lifestyle here. Mm-hmm. And especially like Z, like having your own business in this kind of, atmosphere you know you don't have a boss but you have clients and they can be way shittier than bosses sometimes and they can be great but you know that's a whole nother level of interpersonal relationship you have to deal with when you're you know your livelihood depends on keeping people happy and 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 making sure that you have a good reputation you're professional Mm -hmm. and that people want to work with you and people want to give you lots of money and that's a whole skill set that probably most people wouldn't think that you would need to have if you're just going to be a musician so there's right. like kind of like, you know, both ways of looking at it in terms of that way. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely a, a separate skill aside from being a musician um, to run your business right away, you know. And I think we have like a similar story too. like we were in the corporate world. Like I was in the corporate world for mm-hmm. 10 years and uh, a lot of skills that I use today when it comes to business is because of that 10 years in corporate world. So it didn't go all to waste. <laughs> no, it never does, of course. Yeah. My question is to Sh- Siobhan, is it really freedom? Because I feel like every time I've seen you try to do with music, like because you know so much about it that you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do the Phrygian here or maybe maybe I should flat the fourth. And you could just see your your cogs like working until you start seeing smoke coming out of your ears. Because like, is it really freedom or do you feel like stifled? By music theory. Well, that's I mean, you're kind of on the micro level. I was talking a little bit more macro, but um, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. I think it's if if, if you're being isn't freedom all an illusion freedom. anyway? Like Cartesian <laughs> thought, like isn't isn't the, it just an illusion of freedom and free thought? Like everything's all predetermined. Like, really, it's just like Donnie Darko where the things come out of the stomach and they just fall. Like, you're just following your path. And even despite the fact that you think you can make a decision, you're not. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, I guess coming back to the example of the New We're Year's We're all going to die. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, but I mean, if, if you're choosing music and you're choosing to be an artist for a living, you should be. The, the freedom is doing it on your own terms. You know, otherwise, don't take the gig and just stay home and enjoy the time with your family like everybody else that has the holiday that's off. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever you're doing, do it your way, whether it's Z's business, whether it's Lost Symphony, whether it's Star Set, you know, whatever we're talking about. The point is I, that's freedom. You know, that's what I'm talking about is just doing it exactly how you want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and for whatever whatever your price is for that, or whatever your limitations are, whatever is that your ex- expectations are, that's what you need to do. I feel like, are you telling us this or, or yourself? I, I think I'm telling myself this, but I'm hope I, hopefully. <laughs> and and the most important lesson, and going back to the first, was make sure you charge what you're worth. Exactly, and, uh, exactly, yeah. absolutely. When are you getting married, Benny? Oh, me? Mm-hmm. I don't think she wants to marry me anymore. <laughs> Just eternally engaged. You're engaged, right? Well, she told me it took all the fun out of it. I was just looking for business. <laughs> kidding, no, kidding, no, here, kidding. No, here's the thing is, I love Sydney and she loves me, but we, we have this house and she's we've, we've moved in together. And well, I'm the neurotic guitarist and I have more room for my guitars than she does for her shoes. And 
we live closer to Boston, so we could get a much better place if uh, if we just sell this place. So really, before we go spend a bunch of money on a wedding, which is what she deserves and what she wants and what I did professionally and know all about and hate. Uh, but we got to do that. But before that, we got to get the hell out of here and get a new house that makes her happy. So she can be happy so she can be a happy bride. <laughs> I started by getting her, I got her a new, I updated, I got her a better ring. That was the first thing. So like, I'm systematically getting the things that I need to, to get her, to get, to marry her and earn her worth. Now I need to prove to her that with all my projects that I can provide and get a much better house than we have right now and buy her out and then she'll want to marry me. I need me. Cindy to give us a master class on some of her skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. She makes way more money than me. So she, she's like basically like telling me to like step it up. Cause she's a nurse and she's really good at it and she works uh, in a nonprofit and she like goes and saves lives and she's like i could just work as much as i want and get paid like yeah because people need you no one needs cello you don't need cello every day to survive <laughs> like methadone no you teach them that they need cello that's the point of the episode yes they can't teach live them without that I need it. it and teach them what it costs that's right darling <laughs> I don't deserve Cindy. That's the thing. I'm trying to earn. I'm trying to earn her. And the truth is, is that you have to prioritize things in life. I wish that Cindy was as easygoing as Domi, where they can just be like, let's go to a Chinese restaurant and let our friend play some acoustic guitar in the background. And it was great Chinese food. I'm like, this is the best wedding party I've ever been to in my life. I feel like I should explain that. Um, yeah, <laughs> we had, we had so a, good. We had a very small, uh, intimate ceremony, and then we had two big parties for our friends. Uh, mm -hmm. One of them was at like the, rented a hall at a Chinese food restaurant with a band and stuff. So I we, love we, didn't, that. we didn't just go. We did have Chinese uh, take. A, I mean, like buffet, but no, it wasn't just like my wedding was at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> feel, feel the need I to specify have that. Even so, <laughs> our reception was at a Mexican restaurant, though. I, I'll admit that. So. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, you were so cla you were so classy that you didn't invite any of us to your wedding. You're just like, yeah, we'll party afterwards. Like, well, he didn't want any drama. <laughs> yeah, you know, why would he want us there? I've I've worked too many weddings to know what goes into them to be like. I was like, hey, well, let's, let's just do this. Uh, See, okay, <laughs> thank you, Corey. I've tried to explain that to Cindy, but like, you know, all of her life, her both her sister had this huge giant wedding. You know, big Portuguese wedding, like. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. Like, all I see to myself is like, we could have had a better backyard. We could have like provided for our dog for another five years without having to come out of pocket. She's like, but I want to look good in a dress. And I take the fun out of that because I'm a DJ. So I'm guilty of that. But really, the most important thing to me is I want to get her a house that'll make her happy where she can have a bathroom and take a shower while I'm taking a shower while her daughter's, you know, doing her makeup and we can all have our own bathrooms. And until that, I don't have I don't have the right to marry her. I don't have her permission. Benny, all I can say is just make sure that she has a nice ceremony music. Yes. So hire Las Vegas Music Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna cut me a deal? Because um, I knew some people who did it for a hundred dollars yeah. last week at this place. No, darling charges a premium. <laughs> you get what you pay for, darling. There you go. That's, that's right. And that's the lesson that we've established in these last two episodes. Way to bring it home. Z, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for having me. Putting no, up with you. us for two full hours again. You didn't <laughs> learn your lesson the first time, but that's okay. Um, obviously, you know, we wish you the best on the upcoming star set 
uh, tour, both of you. Um, and we'll have to check in again after that at some point. Uh, and obviously take a look. What's the, what's the website for, uh, Las Vegas music oasis. So it's Las Vegas music That's easy. Simple, easy. <laughs> and then the same thing on, you can find us on Instagram, Las Vegas music oasis, and also on the Facebook and, Very uh, cool. wedding, weddingwire.com as well. Beautiful Las Vegas music oasis. If you're going to be in Vegas getting married, that's, that's the place to go. Or you don't have to be in Vegas. Just be willing to fly them out because they're worth it. Because <laughs> That's you right. Get just charge a premium. Listen, yeah. we flew yeah. we flew Z out. We flew Siobhan out. Like, and I want to say thank you because we really, I mean, we've seen you briefly at Star Set stuff, but just to say hi because you're a rock star. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart that, you know, what you and Siobhan and Marco brought to the table as a three-piece ensemble, it elevated my ideas or what started as my ideas that became pretty much Siobhan's corrections. Um, <laughs> like I, I have, I have to tell you, I have never been more proud in my life to show my mom and pull out my phone and be like, mom, we're at Hanukkah. I'm like, look at just the strings from my new song for three minutes straight. And she's like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I'm like, right now I put guitars over it and ruin it. It's coming. <laughs> So thank Lost you. Lostsymphony.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, guys. No, thank you for coming back. Thanks for putting you. up with us. Anytime, anytime. We'll guys, check out 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe wherever you are, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode 170 featuring Richard Shaw, formerly of Cradle of Filth. Check it out. And now they're hearing this name Pantera popping up everywhere on social media. And this conversation people are having of, should this tribute happen? Should it not happen? There's almost like this weird chasm that falls down the middle is people are getting into Pantera or they're rediscovering Pantera again. Well, it's kind of like the Gen Z kids that are getting back into Queen, or not getting back, getting into Queen because of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. It's like all of a sudden everyone's singing the songs at the bar and it's like, wait, did you ever listen to them? And I think that movie made a huge difference in it. That's the thing. I don't care how people get into these classic bands, just get into them. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that make titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.